Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, a presentation of Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades, culminated his ministry with a 21-year book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called Life Study. This Life Study is the basis for our program today and includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's program. In the Old Testament book of Exodus, the Lord first saved his people, brought them through a kind of baptism, and then provided them a full provision for their living and sustenance. Ultimately, he led them into victory over their enemies. All in all, we would say, if only I experienced God to this degree, I'd be satisfied. But all of this was preliminary, for God's desire was to bring them to a place where he could enter into a sweet and intimate contact or fellowship with himself. We should never be satisfied with our Christianity until we have God speaking. Dennis Agashi is joining us again for another tremendous journey with the children of Israel in the Exodus and now in the wilderness, and they're coming to the mountain of God. Welcome back, Dennis. Thank you, Chris. It's good to be back here again. Well, Dennis, we've come to a turning point in our broadcast. We've just finished the first section of Exodus, and in that section, God has been very active among his people. But it's in the second section of the book that he really brings them to his purpose and his intention. Maybe you could review four or five of the items that we've seen that the children of Israel experienced in this first section, the first 18 chapters of the book. I'd be happy to, Chris. In the first 18 chapters, we really see God's provision for the children of Israel. I think before I get into this, I wanted to make a comment that Witness Lee had stated in the last broadcast, that our spiritual experience matches the history of the children of Israel. So the book of Exodus is not merely stories unrelated to us, but they actually portray in picture our spiritual experience. Based upon this fact, we see the children of Israel experiencing God's salvation from Pharaoh's tyranny and actually God's judgment. This is what we see in the beginning of Exodus. Then we go on when the children of Israel cross the Red Sea into the wilderness. We see God's provision with manna and the living water. Then we see the victory over the Amalekites, representing our flesh. Then in chapter 18, we see the portrait of the kingdom. So as our brother has shared, our spiritual experience really does match the history of the nation of Israel. Well, Dennis, in our experience, God brings us through a parallel experiences of the ones you just enumerated that were the experiences of the children of Israel, but it all has a point, an objective, a goal. That's correct. And that's where we'll come to on today's broadcast. And this is why the second section of Exodus is so marvelous, Chris, from Exodus 19 to the end of the book. Well, let's join Witness Lee with our first portion of the Life Study today. This book is so excellent because... It portrays God's salvation from the very beginning to the consummation. This book is of two sections. We come to the second section concerning the purpose of God's dwelling place. You will see from 19 to the end, nearly there's no mentioning of God's salvation, and so forth. But the main point in this section of this book is to bring God's chosen, called, 
and save the people into God's presence. Not only into his presence, but also into the knowledge of God. In the New Testament term, this is to bring God's people into the fellowship with him. The redeemed people, they have enjoyed so much of God's provision. They have not been brought into the fellowship with God. They have not been brought to the promised mountain of God. They have not been brought into the feast with God. And they have not been brought in the service to God. No, they enjoy a lot, they experience a lot, but they haven't brought into the fellowship of God. Right after we got saved, with so many of us, after we got saved, we didn't enter into the fellowship. We just traveled. We journeyed. We wandered. Even, you know, wandering journey, we may have enjoyed quite much of God's provision. Still, we have not entered into the fellowship. Here, the precious point in this section is this, that God now has brought his redeemed people into his presence. This is not a small thing. They heard about God, but they never heard God's voice directly. Just a many Christians today, they heard about God, but they never heard God speaking directly. The children of Israel heard about God by Moses' teaching, by Moses' preaching, but they themselves never heard God speaking directly. Now God brought them into his presence. Definitely. God came down to his mountain, and God even appeared to them, and God spoke to them purposely that they met hear the voice of God personally and directly, not through any mediation. This was in the presence of God to hear his speaking directly. Dennis, it's very possible to experience God's rich provision without ever entering into fellowship with him. Let's talk about this a little bit. Most people are quite happy just to experience God as their provision. But really, he desires much more than this, doesn't he? Absolutely, Chris. We can see that basically our need is satisfied through the first 18 chapters of Exodus. The good thing about it is Exodus does not stop there because beginning chapter 19, we can see God's real desire, what is really in his heart comes out, and that is related to his dwelling place on earth. All of God's provision, all of God's salvation, the victory, the matter of the kingdom is all for one purpose and one goal, and that is God's dwelling place on earth. The first 18 chapters meets man's need. But from 19 through chapter 40, we can see God's need is met. Dennis, eventually, God's desire was to get his people to a place where they could see and hear. Let's go back to Witness Lee. Now, some of the things you have to pick up. That is for you and me, for us, 
to enter into such a fellowship, you need to be saved from the condemnation of sin, from the world, and from Satan. And you need to enjoy God's rich provision. And you need to conquer yourself, your flesh. And you need to be brought into the kingdom of God. Too many times I heard the Christians use too much excuses. Oh, God knows that I'm weak. God knows that I am nothing but a flesh. What can I do? Just a flesh. If you say this, you could never be brought to God's mountain. The more excuses you take in this way, the more you keep yourself far away from the mount of God. You must say, yes, I'm weak, but he is not weak. I'm weak, but I have Moses. I'm weak, but I have Joshua. I have Christ as my Moses interceding for me in heaven, and I have Christ as Joshua, the life-giving spirit, indwelling me, and he is fighting for me. Our personal experiences just correspond with the record of this book. Hallelujah. Now we are being brought to the mount of God and into the presence of God. What is the significance of Mount Sinai? Firstly, the children of Israel heard God speaking. Then they saw God's vision. The vision of the pattern of God's dwelling place on this earth. To hear God direct speaking and to see God's vision is a real enjoyment. Yeah. And many of us all can testify whenever we gather into his name, we enjoy his presence. How do we know we enjoy his presence? Because we hear his voice. We hear his speaking. Then, at the mount of God, we must be separated from the world and separated unto God. Look at the picture. When those children of Israel all gathered around Sinai, God was on the top of the mountain. Egypt was far away. They were separated far, far away from the world. They were, in a good sense, isolated from the world, and they were fully separated unto God. They were there doing nothing, just stayed in God's presence. Not only in the day, but also in the night. Day and night, they were encamping there around the Mount of God. They were absolutely separated, sanctified into God. A good picture. Well, Dennis, as we've been seeing, the Lord ultimately was able to bring his people to a place where they could hear his voice and see a vision related to his eternal purpose. God would bring his people to the same place today to hear his voice and to see a vision. How can we, as his New Testament believers, get ourselves into a position where we can see and hear. Chris, I particularly like this portion where Brother Lee spoke that to Israel as God's chosen people, they were there at the mountain being brought into the very presence of God 
and into the knowledge of God. These two are the Old Testament terms for the New Testament term fellowship. What a privilege, Chris, that we as human beings saved, regenerated by the Lord, can enter into direct and a personal fellowship with God. And this is what we see here in this particular portion. They not only heard God speaking, but they also had a heavenly vision. And that heavenly vision was the pattern of the tabernacle, which was on God's heart. They saw this through two things mainly, through sanctification that's being separated in verse 10. And in verse 11, the Lord said that he would reveal himself or he would speak to them on the third day. We all know that the third day represents resurrection. So through these two matters, sanctification and resurrection, the children of Israel were qualified to hear God speaking and to see the heavenly vision. Dennis, this coming portion, we're going to get a treat, a personal testimony from Witness Lee, I think that will help very much illustrate what we're talking about today. Let's go to him now. It says three days. Let the people prepare themselves for three days. And the third day, why just on the third day, everybody knows in the Bible, third day means resurrection. What does resurrection mean? Resurrection means all your old is gone. And you are absolutely in a new position, in a new situation. You are kept there doing nothing but preparing yourself, ready to meet with God. What would you do? You would just drop, drop, drop all the time. I'll drop this matter. I'll drop that matter. I'll drop this and drop that, drop this and drop that. Three days dropping, dropping, dropping. Eventually, nothing left. This is in resurrection. When you drop everything, 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 let everything go. Now, you are in resurrection. You are in the third day. Then what? No doubt, whenever we are brought into the presence of God. We are in the fellowship, and we hear the voice of God. Then spontaneously, we will be brought into the knowledge of God. Before we enter into the fellowship with God, we were altogether ignorant. We don't know the world. We were just ignorant. What is God's building? What is the tabernacle? What is the altar? What is the lampstand? What is the shoe bread table? And what is the incense altar? And what is the ark? What is this? This is what the New Testament says by Paul, the full knowledge of God. Amen. You see, all the children of Israel were ignorant. They knew nothing. They knew nothing concerning God. But now they have been brought into the presence of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't forget, they passed the Passover. They crossed the Red Sea. They enjoyed all those provisions. And they defeated Amalek. And they have been brought into God's kingdom. Now they hear God speaking. Now they are in God's fellowship. In this fellowship, God told them, you all saw how I brought you out of Egypt to this place like a big eagle. I put you all upon my wings. What is it? This is grace. He 
puts you upon his wings. All the time, <laughs> you are on his wings. You are on the grace. And his grace did everything for you. Whenever I recall the past, all the years, my heart is just filled with gratitude. All the years, over half century, nothing but mercy and grace. I've been riding on the great eagle. <laughs> Amen. Well, Dennis, in this third portion that we've just heard, there was a wonderful, very intimate personal testimony by Witness Lee regarding his experience of this very thing that God was reminding Moses of how he had cared for the children of Israel. Let me read this verse at the beginning of chapter 19. This is verse 4. It says, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. This intimate testimony by our brother Dennis of the deep appreciation that he had in his being for the grace that God had apportioned to him was very touching. When we really hear his speaking, it always comes with and through grace, doesn't it? It really does. Chris, I do enjoy Brother Lee's testimony that over 50 years, of course, that was in 1979. So at least in his service, close to 70 years, he had this kind of experience where he said that he was the object of the Lord's mercy and grace because he was born by grace, born on eagle's wings. And I also appreciate that he referred to this matter in 1 Corinthians 15.10, where it says the Apostle Paul says that he labored, but eventually it was not him, but the grace of God with him. So in our brother's experience and all his labor, we can see it really was not a labor in that sense, but it was a bearing on eagle's wings. It was a matter of grace to him. This was his experience of grace. I also appreciate, he said, that when we remain in the fellowship with him, we remain in God's direct speaking, when we are sanctified, when we experience resurrection, we have a direct contact with the Lord. This is the supply of grace to us. And Chris, this is not just for high spiritual persons, great Christians, this is available for everyone. Eventually, the Lord says, the entire nation of Israel could become his priests. And he wanted the entire nation of Israel to be his kingdom, not just a few selected strong ones. Grace is available to all of God's children. In order to experience grace, we can just come directly and personally to the Lord. You know, it's really something, Dennis, when you consider that this is the God who, as he said, bore his people up on wings of eagles and led them out of all oh, this horrible situation they were in. Such a mighty, magnificent one really doesn't need what we can do for him that much, does he? No. Our concept is that we have to do something for God. Actually, God just wants us to be available, to cooperate with him. He can do everything. We just are there being born by him, and that's grace. This is a very enjoyable, very enlightening, very helpful life study we're in the midst of today. We've got another section, Dennis. Let's go back to Witness Lee. Every morning, I would say, Lord, thank you for another new day. Oh, make this day full of yourself. Amen. Lord, give me the grace Amen. that I may live you. Amen. I may practice the one spirit with you. I need the grace. Amen. First thing in this fellowship, we know his grace, then we know his holiness. Listen, 
It is here we become something. We become God's personal possession and a peculiar treasure. You know, some of you say, say do like certain rings, especially diamond ring. My goodness, if you got a gift of a diamond ring, that becomes your personal possession. And that personal possession is your peculiar treasure. When God redeemed people coming into his presence, these people is just a diamond ring to God. And this is God's personal possession and his peculiar treasure. It is too precious, too dear to him. This is the most intimate affection in our fellowship with God. God will treasure you. God would say, you are my peculiar treasure. You are my personal possession. It's too intimate. You see, too dear and too precious. This is the most intimate and most close fellowship that we can have with God. By this you can see how God would treasure us when we would enter into such a fellowship. He would treasure us as a peculiar item of his personal possession. Hallelujah. And we are here, his peculiar treasure, and also we are here, his priest, enjoying him as everything to us. And eventually, we are the holy nation. When God enjoys you as the peculiar treasure to him, and when you are enjoying him as everything to you, this mutual enjoyment thoroughly, absolutely separates us from anything other than God and separates us into God himself. We surely become holy. Dennis, whenever God succeeds in getting his people to such a place where he can have intimate fellowship and contact with them, they become to him as his dear and particular possession. The Bible says that we become his treasure. Many people, even many believers, struggle, Dennis, with a very low evaluation of themselves. But sometimes we need to see ourselves as God sees us, as his treasure. This is marvelous, isn't it? Absolutely, Chris. I'd like to read here in Exodus 19 where it mentions this, verse 5. The word says, Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my personal treasure from among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. It is truly marvelous, Chris, that we can be considered by the Lord as his personal treasure or personal possession. I like this in 1 Peter 2, verse 9, the word says, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and a people acquired for a possession. Here in the New Testament, it confirms the fact that as we are those who stay in fellowship with God, eventually we become the treasure to God. And God 
to us is a treasure, we to God become a treasure, eventually we become a personal possession to Him. Chris, this is marvelous. How can you and I as fallen mankind become a personal possession and a peculiar treasure to God? This surely shows the intimate affection and shows also God's full and complete salvation, saving us from the tyranny of Pharaoh all the way to becoming a personal treasure to God. I really like this. Dennis, I love it as well. You know, at the end of each broadcast, we uh, typically talk about the printed life study message and recommend it and say a lot of nice things and wonderful things about it to try to encourage our listeners. I think today, just to give them a taste, I'm going to close the program with the final paragraph of this life study message. I think it puts a pretty good highlight on what we've been talking about. What a tremendous difference there is between Exodus 1 and Exodus 19. In chapter 1, God's people were in Egypt and under the tyranny of Pharaoh. But in chapter 19, they're at the mountain of God, having become God's peculiar treasure. Here they enjoy God to the uttermost, and they're separated unto Him. Although we thank the Lord for this picture, we thank Him all the more that we today may enjoy the reality the fulfillment. I wholeheartedly concur, Chris. I think everyone should receive and read these life studies from Exodus. They're revolutionary. They will change your lives. They surely will. Today for Dennis Agashi, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. To discover more of what Living Stream has to offer, please visit ministrybooks.org. From there, you'll be able to read over 600 titles by Witness Lee and Watchman Nee online and free of charge. Again, the website, ministrybooks.org. Thanks for listening today.